Good morning, church. Good morning, those on Zoom and Facebook as well. My name is Kate, and I am here to honor mothers and talk a little bit about Mother's Day. So I wasn't going to do scripture, and then in the devotions that Bo leads during the weekday, we came across uh, in Matthew 15, the one that's titled The Faith of the Canaanite Woman. And when we were reading it, my first thought was, I didn't read it through the, like, the lens of her faith. I read it through the lens of her as a mom and the great advocates that mom can be. So I'm going to read this to you. And so this is, I think he's going to put the scripture up there, the uh, Matthew 15, uh, verses 21 through 28. And it's leaving that place. Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came, the mother, I'm going to change it. The mother came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, mother, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. And so when I think about that, I think about so many of my friends, even many of them that I see today, who have had to advocate for their kids on so many levels in this scripture this mom who was like begging, like went to basically the most popular person in the region who could potentially be the Christ. And she was willing to like put it all out there. She was willing to be yelled at by the disciples, all for her kids. And I see so many moms that I know and have had the pleasure of parenting with who have fought for their kids' mental health, emotional health, physical health, in the schools, with friendships. And, um, so I just love that scripture when it was when it was read during our devotions this past week. I thought, you know what, that is such a mom, right? And though some of you have not had that mom, um, but some of you are that mom. And so today, I do want to honor the moms who, during a pandemic, parented during the hardest year. Uh, I I don't I joke that I'm not a fan of participation trophies. Like when our kids play soccer, I'm like, well, there's winners and losers. I don't think every kid should get a participation trophy. But I think every mom that survived the pandemic gets a for sure participation trophy, whether you are parenting teens, little ones, or anyone in between, it's been a really, really hard year. So um, when I was trying to figure out how do I honor so many different feelings and experiences that mothers and mothering and Mother's Day all bring up, this term from therapy, so I'm a therapist, and one of my favorite things is called dialectical thinking. And some of you may know this, but some of you may not. So I'm just going to explain it. And I think he's going to put a slide up there too that helps explain it. So the word dialectical basically is the notion that two opposing ideas can be true at the same time. So it's an and, not a but. So in the first picture, they do non-dialectical thinking, except you can't see it's a shaded pink one. But that the non-dialectical thinking is the idea that like, Okay, so I'll give an example. If a child in foster care says, I hate my mom and I love my mom, and they start to feel like they have to choose, like either I hate her because of what she did or I love her. And, and that, or the idea that you have to kind of put them together, like, so, 
Like I hate her and I love her. But the idea is that you don't have to blend them, but that you hold both. So it's an and. I can hate what my mom did and I can love her. And we don't have to choose. And so I just love the idea of dialectical thinking. And I was thinking about that as a way for in mothers, with Mother's Day, with how you feel about mothering. And so for me, my dialectical thinking, where I hold the truth, the same truth, the and, is with, um, with my youngest. She's adopted. And so the dialectic for me is that while I celebrate being the mom of three kids, I also, and I grieve that with my gain, with the adoption means meant a loss for another mom. And so as a mother, I hold both. So I hold both of them. And even for my daughter, like her Mother's Day will never be neutral. It will always have dialectical thinking where she's so thankful that she's my daughter and be craving the love and missing another mom, you know? So there's, there's beauty in um, Mother's Day for a lot of us and there's pain. And so um, I just want to make space for all of those of you who have some dialectical thinking about your mothers or about wanting to be a mother. And so... One interesting thing is when I do this in therapy, when we talk about the pain of opposite feelings, or and, and I often do it with two hands. I can't do it with two hands with a mic, but I also love that posture as I'm thinking about it, is like it's also like giving it up to God, right? We take our ands and we say, like, I don't know, God, I feel this way and this way, and I'm just giving both to you. And um, so you um may relate to some of these. So I'm just going to read some of the ones that I wrote out. If I didn't capture your experience as a mom, I apologize or your experience with your mom. But so if I could hold both hands, maybe I can hold on. Let's see. Okay. So for those who mourn the loss of their moms and celebrate in remembrance today, for those who grieve the loss of their children, and find hope and joy in the children they do get to hold. For those who have sadness and longing to be a mom and who press on and hold out hope for that. For those who feel their childhood with their mothers were painful or not what they wanted and who are working on reconciliation or forgiveness or moving forward or just starting to process that. For those who long to be a mom and who find contentment in mothering or aunting or parenting of other children. I'm looking at you, Jerry, who's got two children on her right now. Those who feel motherhood is really hard and have days where they actually wish they weren't parenting and who find moments of joy and purpose that help them press on. For those who feel the pressure to be a perfect mom and those who recognize the grace in parenting. For those who didn't have a mother present growing up and who honor those who stepped in to help with that absence. For those who foster and feel like mom and are not recognized by the system as mom. And then for those who feel like they aren't qualified to be a mom and know that they aren't alone in those feelings. And so I may have mentioned your experience in that or yours might be different or yours might actually not be a dialectic. It actually might be that you only feel pain or that you only really are experiencing joy. And so we make space and we honor those too. And so my prayer today to all of you who, mom, who are moms out there or who are honoring their moms is that whatever today brings, both sides, that the Lord will meet you in that space and provide all that you need.
Thanks, Kate. That was beautiful. And now that we're all crying. <laughs> um, welcome to Genesis. Welcome if you are on uh, Facebook or Zoom joining us there. If you are on Facebook or here in person, uh, you can go to our website, genesisthechurch.org, to fill out the green, our virtual green card, and you can put your prayer requests there. Um, if you are on Zoom, there's going to be a poll for the green card, and you can fill that out there, and your prayer requests can go in the chat, and if they are private prayer requests, they can be directed to, I think, still to Bo, I think, uh, that computer was still on, yeah. Um, by the way, my name is Jerry. I think I forgot to say that. <laughs> um, if you want to receive texts from the church, the, you can text the keyword Genesis texts. That's uh, Genesis, like Genesis the church, texts with an S at the end. Uh, to 94000. That's three zeros. Please take a moment in the coming week to affirm the next six month budget. And I, you can do that. There's a link in the eblast, I believe, to be able to do that. And I think on the website as well. On Memorial Day weekend, please join us for some COVID friendly family fun at Camp Leal. You can come for the day or spend the weekend there, bring your own tent, trailer, or camper, or there are cabins available for rent. That's uh, the Memorial Weekend Family Camping, May 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st at Camp Leal. It's a lot of fun to be with a lot of people uh, that, we, that you love and know at Camp Leal. It's a great place. It's beautiful. If you have questions or want to make reservations, please contact Vicki Brown or Jody Elan and they can help you out there. Uh, just a reminder, we have an offering box in the back of the sanctuary and we just want to thank all of you who have been faithful and uh, giving through the mail or online. So thank you. And lastly, I get to release the Treehouse Kids. This is an exciting moment. If you are in Treehouse, Miss Nikki is in the back of the sanctuary here, um, and you can uh, follow her. And that is all that I have for today. Thanks, everybody. Good morning, I'm Becky Shogren, and it's a wonderful opportunity to be with our son on Mother's Day. This does not happen very often, so I'm very grateful. If you have your Bible, your cell phone app for the Bible, or perhaps even on the screen, it's Jonah in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Then the word of the Lord God came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. 
When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on to them the destruction that he had threatened. And may God give us insight and understanding to his word into our own hearts and lives today. God bless you. I recognize that Bible. <laughs> That's my mom, give her a hand. We're in this series of looking through the book of Jonah, and this morning we're going to have some time in here together, and then we're going to have some time in discussion together, whether you're in person or whether you're on Zoom. And so let me uh, pray and ask for some assistance and openness as we listen. So, Lord, we ask um, for your spirit to function as a tutor for us. And so where we have resistance to your words that we don't even know about, would your spirit go ahead of us and prepare our hearts and our minds to be able to engage with you, with the divine? And we ask for um, life that is fulfilling and satisfying to come and to visit us in this discussion, and that it comes from you. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, fill this place, meet the needs that we know we have, meet the needs that we don't know we have in the, the way that only you can do. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that should catch your attention in this text is that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Anybody here have a story about not listening to God the first time? A few? <laughs> I do. Has the Lord ever had to tell you to do something more than once? It's in those situations where we recognize that God is actually extremely patient with us and that there is a faithfulness from God to pursue us, even when we choose to buy tickets to Tarshish and to go as far away from what God has said is possible. And I would say this, if you are in a spot in your life where you think that God has gone silent, 
it can be helpful to go back to the last thing that God said to you and to say, did I do it? Because sometimes the conversations go on pause. As a father, I know that I don't like repeating myself. As a father who is a musician for a long time and can't hear very well, I annoy my kids by saying, what did you say? <laughs> Rome regularly says, I'm not going to repeat myself. And I say, well, then somebody needs to buy me a hearing aid. So Jonah hears God the second time and decides to move from disobedience to obedience. Nineveh was a big city, and it took three days to go across it. And I think it's important for us to recognize that Jonah doesn't show up to Nineveh and stand on the outside and yell at it. I say this because this is what many people think being a Christian is. If you don't know what I'm talking about, get a Facebook account and see how many people are standing on the edges yelling in and they haven't taken the time to walk a day's journey into the middle of it. You know, we can say a lot of things about Jonah in this story. A lot of it is very personal, it reflects us. We can find ourselves in it. The one thing that Jonah did that I admire him for is when God called him to go to Nineveh, he doesn't stand on the outside and proclaim judgments against it. Jonah walks a day into it. And it's, it's just like if we walked a day into a city. We would, we would see the sights, and we would smell the smells, and we would see how people interacted, and we would see what their graffiti looked like, and we would start to understand what they cared about. And so as Jonah is going on this journey, he begins to learn about what the people of Nineveh are like. And as he gets a day in, in his obedience, he says what God has said he should say. And it's a super basic statement. Jonah says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Really basic. Most of us read that and we hear it as a doomsday message. We would hear that and we would say, God is mad at us and God's gonna destroy everything in 40 days. The fascinating part is this, Nineveh didn't hear it that way. Nineveh heard, we have 40 days to repent. We've been given a gift of 40 days to know ourselves, to search ourselves, and to come to a place where we have peace with God. 40 is a significant number in the scriptures. It took 40 days in the wilderness for Jesus to come to terms with who he was and what God was inviting him to. 40 days in Nineveh 
responds with what we would call repentance. And so they put on sackcloth and ashes. And the declaration comes from the top down. And everybody follows suit. Sometimes what we perceive as a period, God sees as a semicolon. Now, if you skipped English class, you have no idea what I'm talking about. A period says that the, the sentence is done. The, the statement has finished. A semicolon is used at liberty by an author to say, I'm continuing this thought. And so the 40 days for Nineveh could be read as a period. That's the final statement. But as we get into the story, we find that actually it was a semicolon because God was not done with Nineveh. Jonah responds to God in obedience after that second time. He goes the day's journey into the city. He declares 40 days. And the people respond that what Jonah has said is actually good news. We have 40 days. This reminds me of another text in Acts 17. I'll read it to you. It says, now, while Paul was waiting for them, them being his traveling partners, in Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he observed that the city was full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers as well were conversing with him. And some were saying, what could this scavenger of tidbits want to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is, which you're proclaiming, for you're bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are all very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. I think it's important for us to know that both Paul and Jonah went in among the people. They didn't stand off to the side yelling at them. They were right in the midst of all of it. They were in the midst of their culture. They were in the midst of their politics. They were in the midst of their family life. And the news that they brought was good news to their hearers. 
the news that they brought connected with what God was already doing there before they showed up. Their location and their proximity to the people afforded them an opportunity to have a life-changing voice into their lives and their situations. We all come from somewhere. What might good news be to the people in your locale? You know, maybe good news is that there could be clean drinking water or that there could be arts programs for kids. Maybe good news where you are is that not everyone has forgotten the elderly. Maybe good news where you are is that someone can still be useful and contribute to society even after their hair turns gray. Maybe where you are, good news is that there is freedom from addiction. And in the least, that there's grace to not go through that battle alone. Maybe the good news among your people is that your value in life is not connected to your productivity, but that your value comes from the essence that your life has been God-breathed. Where you are in your place is important because it is where God has you. And God goes before us. And Jonah's words were simple, but they lined up with what God was already doing in Nineveh. Paul's words were spoken directly into an insecurity that the Athenians had. What if we missed a God? I don't know. Let's build a, build a sculpture and put to the God that we missed so that they're not mad at us. Paul shows up and observes and says, oh, they're insecure. They're worried that they don't believe the right things. I'm gonna speak into this to bring them hope in life and that they can know God and that God is near. And the last thing is this, that the people where you are in your community, in your neighborhood, in your circles, they're hungry for good news. We, as Christians, as Christians, our job is to just listen, to have an open ear to hear from them while also hearing from God. We want to be able to discuss this more and very specifically to our experiences. And so we're going to utilize breakouts on Zoom. So Tom, you're free to uh, set up the breakouts. And then we're going to utilize some different space in the building for some conversations here. Trent's going to direct us with that. If for some reason you have to leave, nobody's going to judge you. <laughs> If for some reason you're intimidated because you're like, I don't want to get into a group and talk, talk with someone, you're not the only one. And so nobody's going to pressure you. But we think it's a very valuable 
opportunity for us to be able to connect in person and to talk and to process together. So Trent, you want to come up and you can give us direction here. For those on Facebook, Kelly's going to direct conversation. For those on Zoom, when you see that invite to the breakout room come up, accept that, and there's a leader that is going to be in each one of those rooms. So we'll say goodbye to the cyber world, and we'll just focus here. Okay, guys, so we're going to have three different breakout groups uh, for those of us that are in person. So we ask now that uh, everyone would stand up when I get done speaking. And then